all of this creates an environment where it's going to make it that much more difficult to respond to these hundreds of thousands of Afghans that are now crossing into Afghanistan. Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast for the foreign policy and global development communities and anyone who wants a deeper understanding of what is driving events in the world today. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg. I am a veteran international affairs journalist and the editor of UN Dispatch. Enjoy the show. There is a mounting humanitarian emergency on the border between Afghanistan and Pakistan. Since October, hundreds of thousands of Afghans living in Pakistan have fled back to Afghanistan. They are being forcibly repatriated by the Pakistani government, which began a crackdown on so-called illegal immigrants, compelling the expulsion of over 300,000 Afghans in just the last few weeks. On the line to explain the unfolding humanitarian crisis is Samira Syed Rahman, Director of Policy Advocacy and Communications for the International Rescue Committee in Afghanistan. We kick off discussing the reasons for Pakistan's sudden crackdown and then discuss the crisis this is generating inside Afghanistan. We also discuss the complications of international humanitarian relief in Afghanistan right now while it remains under the control of the Taliban. So just a couple of quick notes. First, as always, feel free to reach out to me using the contact button on globaldispatches.org. If you have questions for me, if you have recommendations of people you think I should interview or topics you think I should cover, I love hearing from you. And listen, I create this podcast twice a week, every week, for you. Uh, I want to serve your needs, so please do reach out to me and let me know what's on your mind. And I've been publishing premium content really regularly for paid subscribers to the podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, just click the little banner on the Global Dispatches page on Spotify that says exclusive episodes for subscribers, and you can see my offerings. And you can follow the links to unlock that paid subscription. On Apple Podcasts, you'll see it directly in the app. Thank you all. I really appreciate your support. Here is my conversation with Samira Syed Rahman of the International Rescue Committee. So before we get into the current situation involving the forced repatriation of hundreds of thousands of Afghans back into Afghanistan from Pakistan, can I just have you go back and explain to the listeners, how is it that so many Afghans came to be living in Pakistan over the years? Well, I mean, this can be traced back to the over 40 years of conflict that Afghanistan has been plagued by. The first wave of refugees initially started during the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan in 1979. And since then, we've seen a continuous stream of Afghans going into Pakistan as its major neighboring country 
Since then, we've found that there's millions of Afghans that have sought refuge in Pakistan, of which we're now seeing nearly 2 million of them being forced out of the country. These Afghans, many have been living there, as I said, for 30, 40 years due to the history of conflict that Afghanistan has been facing. So you said best estimates are there are 2 million Afghans living in Pakistan at least before this recent mass expulsion? That's correct. Right now, the Pakistan government has made an announcement to deport 1.7 million. There are estimates that that figure is much higher in terms of Afghans who are undocumented living within Pakistan right now. You mentioned this is 40 years of out-migration from Afghanistan to Pakistan. You know, presumably that means that Afghans at this point are living all over the country. Are there certain regions where they're concentrated? Or are we really talking about just Afghans embedded in the daily life throughout the country? I mean, Afghans are embedded all across the country, but predominantly they are in the Khyber Pukhtunkhwa region, which is the areas that are adjacent to Afghanistan's territory. And These are areas that are ethnically Pashtun, meaning that there are families who live on either side who often travel back and forth. But in this instance, many of these people have been living there for decades because they have roots on both sides. So Afghans have been living as refugees, but integrated into the society for reasons you just explained for a long time. Why now is the Pakistani government ordering this forced expulsion? I mean, there's a plethora of reasons that have been given. The main one being for security purposes. There are certain security disputes between the current Pakistani government and the de facto Taliban authorities within Afghanistan. But also, much of it has to do with the economic situation in Pakistan. The economy has been worsening over the course of the last several years, meaning that the refugees are seen as an additional load on the government when it comes to providing services to the people. What's the nature of the economic downturn in Pakistan right now, and how does that interact with the current fractious politics in Pakistan? I mean, Imran Khan, the most recent elected prime minister, is currently in jail or house arrest. I don't want to comment on the situation in Pakistan, given that my focus has been on Afghanistan, but obviously there is an impact on the economic downturn. Pakistan continues to be in debt and facing major debt issues with the international community. Unemployment is on the rise. The economic situation writ large has been worsening over the course, as I said, of the last several years. That's to say, you know, on the Afghanistan side, we're also facing major economic issues that are driving massive humanitarian needs across the country, which is only going to make it that much more difficult for Afghanistan to deal with this influx of returnees. So you also mentioned a security dispute between the de facto Taliban authorities and the current Pakistani government. What's the nature of that security dispute? I mean, there are allegations made by either side of certain terrorist organizations operating within Afghan territory, conducting attacks on the Pakistani territory. However, this continues to be a disputed issue between the two states. 
And there's not much that we can provide in terms of information on that, given that we primarily focus on the humanitarian needs within Afghanistan. I should say most of the reporting that I've seen on this cites as the proximate reason for Pakistan's decision to order this mass expulsion, the succession of terrorist attacks that have occurred on Pakistani soil, which they allege originate in uh, Afghanistan. But suffice it to say, the order has been given. How have Afghans who have lived in Pakistan for so long absorbed this order, responded to it, and reacted to it? Since the order was given, what we've seen is a large influx of Afghans coming over the two major crossing points. And much of it is voluntary in nature, some would say, but it comes out of fear of retribution, fear of attacks, both from the Pakistani state, but also the wider society. The Pakistani state has called on neighbors to report. They've called on the public to report of any Afghans that they know who may be within the country illegally or without valid paperwork. So that has led to a situation where families are packing up and crossing over out of fear. And again, like I mentioned, majority of these families have spent most of their lives in Pakistan and are often unsure of what they are going to face once they reach Afghan soil. Yeah, I mean, I've seen reports of like landlords fearing that they might come under some sort of criminal investigation, refusing to renew the leases of their Afghan tenants. Again, like complying with this forced like out-migration. And it seems like scenes like that are replicating themselves uh, across the country throughout the last several weeks. And we're seeing the results of that. Just yesterday, it was reported that over 300,000 returnees have crossed the crossing points. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, Afghanistan is in the midst of a massive humanitarian crisis already. Since the Taliban takeover in August of 2021 and the subsequent cutting of international funding and relations with Afghanistan, what has happened is that you have a public sector that is struggling to provide services to the public. You have a humanitarian situation where more and more of the middle class has fallen into poverty. We have over 28 million Afghans out of a nearly 40 million population are said to be in need of humanitarian assistance right now. And all of this creates an environment where it's going to make it that much more difficult to respond to these hundreds of thousands of Afghans that are now crossing into Afghanistan. So I know the IRC has operations in the region, but what does the situation look like for Afghans who have crossed, like, are the de facto Taliban authorities setting up effectively like refugee camps in the border region? I mean, we're talking about hundreds of of thousands of people. These are like not small cities. You know, in response to this influx of returnees, IRC has deployed mobile health teams to the region that have already reached thousands of people with emergency medical care, maternal health care, nutrition, and mental health support. We're also delivering psychosocial support to vulnerable groups, primarily women and children, as well as installing wash or latrine and waste management sites to try to prevent 
communicable diseases in the area. As you mentioned rightly, hundreds of thousands of people are now gathered there. There have been the establishment of tents and an area for them to be received, to be registered and processed. So the humanitarian needs are immense and we are responding to that. We are working with the various entities, the International Organization for Migration, the United Nations agencies, and others on how effectively to respond to what is expected to be a massive humanitarian crisis. Can I just have you like describe in a little more detail where these hundreds of thousands of Afghans are ending up once they cross the border? I mean, it's just like a massive number of people to leave in such a short period of time. I'm just kind of struggling to understand where they're ending up within Afghanistan. Right now, at the major crossing port of Turkham, facilities have been provided by all of these organizations, including the de facto authorities, you know, those who have existing relations throughout the country are traveling back to those areas. But again, many of these people do not. So that's a conversation that is happening in terms of what we're going to do in the longer run with all of those who have been arriving. The area of Turkham, this is the crossing point between Pakistan and Afghanistan, is a fairly barren area. It's just, you know, outside the city of Jalalabad. There's no existing facilities per se to accommodate an influx of these numbers. So what that has led to is this sort of makeshift camp of sorts that has been set up in the area. And the numbers are increasing day by day and the response is nowhere near what is needed. As I mentioned, Afghanistan is in the midst of a humanitarian crisis. And one of the main challenges for us in terms of responding to needs is the lack of funding that is available right now. And we've seen an increase of humanitarian needs, but also various emergency responses that we've had to do, including a massive earthquake that took place in the Northwest just last month. So with all of this happening, it's been very difficult to try to find the funds to be able to provide response to this refugee issue or the returnee issue. And Afghanistan is, we have competing crises around the world. Afghanistan has fallen off the radar when it comes to the humanitarian situation. Um, With wars raging in various parts of the world, the attention has now turned from Afghanistan. And as a result of that, the funding has also left and is not coming in at the scale it needs to in order in order for us to respond to these massive humanitarian needs. To what extent do you think the funding shortfall that is being experienced probably not only by the IRC but other humanitarian actors as well a consequence of the fact that donors are reluctant to fund humanitarian relief within Afghanistan? because the de facto authorities are not internationally recognized. They have this obviously and well-earned reputation for being human rights abusers. And there is sort of fear that donors might be, say, propping up the de facto authority. Like how much is the political situation within Afghanistan complicating your fundraising efforts? You know, that's certainly a part of it. 
When the international community withdrew in August of 2021, we saw immediate funding cuts across the board, primarily in the form of development assistance. Humanitarian assistance has continued to be provided, obviously not at scale. Just this year, you know, for humanitarian responses, you have a humanitarian response plan that is developed to estimate the amount of money that is needed to respond to the needs in the country. Currently, the humanitarian response plan for Afghanistan is 25% funded for this year, and we're nearing the end of the year, which means that our hands are tied when it comes to delivering life-saving humanitarian assistance. The current political impasse continues to affect the situation on the ground. That's certainly the case. As humanitarian actors, you know, we found ourselves in a very difficult situation. The needs are immense, the needs are there, and the Afghan people have not uh, necessarily selected the government that is in place right now. However, they continue to be the ones that are being punished as a result of the political impasse and the international community's relationship or lack thereof with the current state. This is why a political engagement is necessary at various levels so that we can move beyond this political impasse. The reality is we're two years in right now and the situation has not changed. So there needs to be some sort of a concerted effort to engage on some of these major issues, including these rights-violating edicts that you pointed to. So engagement on other political fronts is necessary potentially to unlock donor funds for vital humanitarian needs in Afghanistan right now. You know, that's certainly the case. But again, also, it's the issue of competing crises. You know, the Ukraine war, the Gaza crisis right now, all of these are taking attention away from Afghanistan. And it's very difficult for us to continue to try to fundraise in a global climate where there are so many different crises that the international community is focused on. However, I mean, the international community has been involved in Afghanistan over the course of the last 22 years, creating a system where not only the you know public services, but humanitarian organizations are dependent on this assistance that was coming in. And the sudden withdrawal of the levels of aid that were coming into Afghanistan have created a situation where you've got a public sector that cannot provide services that they should be providing. You've got humanitarian actors like the IRC who are trying their best to meet the needs, but are not getting the funding that they should be getting. And even more so, you've got national NGOs that are facing the brunt of this, being unable to access funding due to various banking challenges, the wider you know, banking issues that the country is facing. So it creates a situation where while humanitarian needs are rising, while the economy is worsening, this decrease of funding means that even more and more people are going to be falling into poverty. We've seen over the course of the last several months that, for example, 28 major regional hospitals across the country lost their funding. You know, these hospitals were being run by the International Community of the Red Cross. Their funding ended in September. And what this means is that the health sector is struggling right now. And when you have hundreds of thousands of returnees coming over across the crossing points, 
many of them in need of medical support, many of them living in conditions that will exacerbate you know, the medical conditions, is going to be a very big challenge for all of us to collectively address. On the Pakistan side of the equation, are there efforts underway to you know, pressure Pakistan internationally to reverse this policy of forcibly deporting nearly 2 million Afghans back into Afghanistan? I mean, it seems to violate the humanitarian law known as refoulement, the idea that you can't force someone back into a country where their life might be in jeopardy. And it seems sort of a, seemingly a clear-cut case of, of that. But is there any kind of concerted international effort to force or implore upon Pakistan to reverse this policy? I mean, again, this is an issue of competing crises, right? This forced returnee issue arose around the time that the Gaza conflict has been going on. And we are not seeing that sort of global attention given to this to pressure the Pakistani government to make a change in terms of a policy change with regards to this. That's why I'm doing this episode. And that's great. You know, the more attention that we can provide, the better it is to highlight just how much of an impact that this is going to have. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Any question I didn't ask or point you wanted to make? One point would be in terms of, you know, there are a lot of Afghans that are within Pakistan right now waiting on different immigration processes. These are Afghans who are at risk, who are going to be resettled in various countries in the West. And while there has been an official exemption given by the Pakistani government to those who have, say, overstayed their visa, et cetera, while they're waiting for their immigration files to be processed, those Afghans are also fearful of this like indiscriminate expelling that is taking place. And that's obviously going to impact not only those who are at risk having to return back into Afghanistan, but also the various immigration cases that they have going all across the world. Well, Samira, thank you so much for your time. This was very helpful. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Global Dispatches. The show is produced by me, Mark Leon Goldberg. It is edited and mixed by Levi Sharp. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to follow the show and enable automatic downloads to get new episodes as soon as they're released. On Spotify, tap the bell icon to get a notification when we publish new episodes. And of course, please visit globaldispatches.org to get on our free mailing list, get in touch with me, and access our full archive. Thank you.